Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So today we're continuing with our series on Around the World. Um, and you've had a couple of these so far and we've been looking at key characters from different countries. And today we're going to be looking at Abram. And Abram, the Bible tells us, was originally from Iraq. So I don't know about you, I've never been to Iraq. So the first thing I did is I wanted to find out a little bit more about this country. And I thought one of the great ways to find out about something is to do a quiz. So we're going to start off with a few questions about Iraq. Now there's 10 questions, you don't need paper or pens, you can keep score on your hands. I'll give you a few seconds to confer with the person next to you and we'll give you the answers straight away. Now, a little caveat, I'm not great at writing quizzes. My husband said, I love a quiz, I'll write it for you. So if you have any questions about some of the things you put in it, speak to him. Okay, so, question one. Which is the Iraqi flag? Okay, we'll start here. Which is the Iraqi flag? So there's three, A, B, or C. You've got five seconds to decide on your answer. Okay, we'll keep it snappy. The answer is, next slide, B. So keep your score if you got that one right. Next question. Mazgouf is the national dish or one of the national dishes of Iraq. What is it? Now we've picked a picture that you shouldn't be able to tell from that. But is it A, deep fried eagle feet? Is it B, stuffed breads made from gram flour? Or is it C, seasoned grilled carp? Five seconds. Okay, it is, next slide, seasoned grilled carp. Okay, next question. What is the name of this Iraqi instrument? Is it A, the oud, B, the nu, or C, the guitar? You've got five seconds. Okay, next slide. It is the oud. Well done if you got that one. Next question. This is a kind of cheese eaten for breakfast in Iraq. What is it called? Is it A, Lydia Mac, B, Ellie May Mac, or C, K Mac? You've got five seconds. Next slide. That one is K Mac. I think most people probably got that one right. Okay, next question. Which of these is the name of a major river found in Iraq? Is it A, Lepidris, B, Tigris, or C, Lioness? What do you think? Okay, next slide. It is the Tigris. Well done if you knew that one. Next question. This Iraqi footballer plays for Manchester United. What is his name? Is it A, Cantona Iqbal, B, Zidane Iqbal, or C, Henri Iqbal? There's a theme there. 
Okay, the answer is, see how good you are at your football? Zidane Iqbal, named after the famous French footballer Zinedine Zidane. Okay, next slide. The world's oldest literature was written in Iraq. What is it called? Is it A, the Epic of Gilgamesh, B, the Chronicle of Gargamel, or C, the Legend of Galangal? We have three options. Okay, the answer is A, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay, really famous origin story. They think might have originated in Iraq. Next slide. This is an archaeological site called Abraham's House. Now, they don't necessarily know if it was exactly Abraham's house, but they've called it that because it's a home that you might have seen around those times. Now, where is it found? Is it in A, R, B, U, or C, O? <laughs> the name of Abraham's hometown listed in the Bible is one of these. And the answer is C, Ur. Okay? So the Bible tells us Abraham was, Abraham was originally from Ur. Fabulous. So that gives you a little bit of information about Iraq. So like I said, Abraham was from Iraq. And today we are going to find out a little bit more about him. And the story you're going to look at is a little bit less well-known out of many of the stories of Abraham's life. I certainly didn't know it as well. Let's meet our characters first. There's two main characters in our story. So first meet Abraham. He was a man of great faith. Before our story today, God called Abraham to leave his home in Iraq and travel to a place that God was going to show him. And he went, he took his whole household with him, and he did not know the destination. Okay, this is what we know so far about Abraham. Our next character is Lot. Now, Lot is Abraham's nephew. He used to live with Abraham, but what we know so far is that his and Abraham's men had an argument over sheep. They had a lot of sheep, and there wasn't enough grass. So they ended up separating. And it tells us that Lot chose the greener valleys for himself. And he also went to a city called Sodom. Now, we don't know much about Sodom, but the Bible says, just after he makes his decision, that the people of Sodom were wicked and sinning greatly against the Lord. So what we know so far about Lot is he seems to have made some potentially selfish and also not very wise choices. So now for our story. We're going to use a bit of imagination to bring it to life, and I'm going to need some participation from all of you. So whenever I say never twice, if I say never, never, I'm going to point to you so you know that's your cue, and I want you all to say never say never. Okay? So let's try this. Maybe get the children in as well. So if I say never, never, you can say never say never. Let's, let's practice. Never, never, never say never. Brilliant. Okay, let's start. Let's imagine Abraham sitting under some trees, thinking about his nephew, maybe. He might feel a little bit sad about what happened. He's looking out and he sees someone approaching in the distance. It's a man who's running and he's covered in what looks like black sludge. 
He's waving and he comes to a stop in front of Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, I have a message for you. There's been a battle. The king of Sodom and his allies, remember Sodom, that city where Lot settled? His allies have picked a fight against King Kurdor Laumer. Okay, I'm going to say Kurdor for short. King Kurdor and all his allies. King Kurdor? What was he thinking? King Kurdor was the mightiest king in the land and had ruled for quite a long time. They fought in the valley and nearly all his soldiers fell into the tar pits. Now tar is this black sticky stuff we use to make clothes. If you fell in those, you did not come out alive. Their messenger continues, King Kurdor and his army went to Sodom and they took everything Everything? They took all the people captive. Abraham freezes. All of the people? Yes, your nephew Lot has been taken captive. Abraham's heart sinks. What is he going to do? Now, Abraham was a man who was very loyal. His first response is, we must get Lot back. You'll never be able to catch Lot at this point. They are gone. Never. Never. Never was Abraham's response. Nothing is impossible with God. So Abraham pulls together what he has. Says he had 318 trained men in his household. He was a rich man. He had a lot at his disposal. He gets them together and he says, expedition, save a lot, is underway. We are going to get him back. We're going to attack at night. We'll have the element of surprise. They won't know how many of us there are. We'll come at them from multiple directions. And we'll get them back. Now, the first thing is, it says they chased them as far as Dan. Now, on a map, that's probably about the distance from Leeds to London. So it was a long journey. We don't know if they had horses. It doesn't really say. They may well have been on foot. Certainly did not have a car. It was a long way. Now, already, these men might have been thinking, we are never going to catch up with them. We are never going to defeat them. They're, they're huge. Now, what do you think Abraham was saying to them? Never, never. They kept going. And it says they reached them and they got everything back. The plan worked. They rescued Lot and all of the other captives and all the possessions they took from Sodom. Abraham was an incredible military leader. So I wonder how Lot felt when Abraham rescued him. He might have said something like, Uncle, I never thought you would come. And what might have been Abraham's response? Never, never. Abraham believed in the God of the impossible. So what can we learn from this story? There's two things that I'd like to say. And the first is that Abraham had incredible faith in God. He did believe in a God of the impossible. So I wonder, what is your never? What is the kind of thing where maybe you think that you are not going to be able to do this? Is there something in your life maybe where you need to really trust God and say, what do I have? 
and ask God to be able to help you be with you like he was with Abraham and help you do something that might seem to you impossible. Abraham showed great trust in God. And the second thing is that this passage points forward to a much greater rescue. Abraham risked everything he had to rescue Lot, even though he'd acted selfishly and made poor decisions. Abraham could have said, Lot, you chose to go to Sodom, you made your bed, now lie in it. But he didn't. He chased after Lot, risked the lives of his men and himself, and did not stop until he found him. Now in our home we have a little book of stories that Jesus told, they're parables, and my children love them. And this reminds me a little bit of some of those stories. There's a shepherd who looks everywhere for the one lost sheep. There's a woman who searches high and low because she's lost one coin and she needs it back. There's a man who looks, who sells everything he has to get one costly pearl. Now these stories that Jesus told are pictures of the love of God towards us in Jesus. The Bible tells us that we've all made selfish choices, just like Lot, and we are a little bit like sheep who have got lost. Sometimes we might think that God could never love us. Never say never. God never gives up on us. God's love is a love that chases after us, that risks everything and will not stop until we are found, just like Abraham's rescue mission for Lot. Sometimes when we think about love, we think of a fuzzy feeling, don't we? I find the words of the great philosopher and theologian, Olaf the Snowman, helpful. These are what come to me when I think love. Let's watch a little clip. So, where's Hans? What happened to your kiss? I was wrong about him. It wasn't true love. But we ran all the way here. Please, Olaf, you can't stay here. You'll melt. I am not leaving here until we find some other act of true love to save you. Do you happen to have any ideas? I don't even know what love is. That's okay. I do. Love is putting someone else's needs before yours. Like, you know, how Kristoff brought you back here to Hans and left you forever. Kristoff loves me? Wow, you really don't know anything about love, do you? Olaf, you're melting. Some people are worth melting for. Love is putting someone else's needs before yours. That's what he said. And I love that. I love that. Um, it's kind of hidden away in this story. And my daughter had COVID a few weeks ago, and we watched Frozen on loop. <laughs> and so I was watching it, I thought, oh, that's really good, what he said there. Maybe I'll use that. But true love is sacrificial love. It's putting someone else's needs first. That's what sacrificial means, sacrificing something of your own. In the story of Frozen, now if you've not seen it, there will, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> Anna is looking in all the wrong places for true love. But true love was right in front of her. In the love of a little snowman who said some people are worth melting for. And then eventually in the love 
that she has for her sister. The story ends with Anna sacrificing her life to save her sister, and that was the true act of true love she was looking for at the very end of the film. And that melts her frozen heart, that act of true love, that act of sacrifice. Now, this picture of true love in Frozen is clearly inspired, I think, by the one and only act of true love. A sister sacrifices herself for someone else, and in that process, her heart is melted. I think that's a real picture of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Now, Disney doesn't always get it right, don't get me wrong. But I think that's a really good picture. The Bible says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That is the real picture of true love. We know what true love is, and it is found in a person. It's found in Jesus. God chases after us, risks everything, and does not give up until he finds us. We often forget this passage doesn't actually end there. In the next breath it says, and so you should lay down your life for one another. God's love in Jesus should move us to lay down our lives for each other. God's love is one that should transform us so that we can go and love others in return. Now, as you came in, you were hopefully given a wooden heart and a pen. So we're gonna move into a time of worship now. And during the first song, can I encourage you to write your name on that heart or to draw a picture of yourself. And you can take this home as a reminder of the love that God has for you in Jesus. A love that does not stop until we are found. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.